0: Bridge Street Capital Partners is a Sydney-based corporate advisory firm that specialises in equity capital market transactions for small cap companies listed on the ASX, primarily in the mining, energy and tech sectors. If you are a Section 708 sophisticated investor and would like to be on Bridge Street's distribution list for their upcoming capital raises, please send them your details via an email to invest at bridgestreetcapital.com.au and mention the BIP show in your message. Now on with the show. In hour broadcasting from the VFS studios at Northridge, Sydney. You are listening to the all new BIP show, season four, episode nine. Don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that all the financial information in this podcast is generally nature only. Speak to a professional advisor about your needs. That is me. In fact, if you want a professional advisor, uh, talk to me. Uh, quality advice at a low, low price, or it's actually kind of expensive. Uh, but anyway, uh, coincidentally, uh, so that is that is in fact what I do. I'm James Whelan, investment manager at VFS Group. Uh, the episode that we're on now is being recorded in Sydney. The time is 11.03am. The date is the 29th of April, 2022 AD. Well, we've had ourselves quite a month. Um, there's no there's no way of dancing around it. It's been, it's been a pretty rotten month for a lot of people all, all across the board. Uh, last night was a bit of a saviour to, uh, to markets and because I can now get this podcast out live, basically, we're basically recording live for people. Um, if the first people will be hearing this, probably about an hour, or maybe half an hour after I'm talking right now. So last night, GDP numbers came through. There were a massive miss. We're expecting 1.1% uh, growth in the US. It was actually down by about 1.4% from memory. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But a huge miss on expectations for GDP, a contraction in GDP, a quarter of negative growth. You chuck another quarter on uh, and then you get yourself a recession, Will the Fed be raising as aggressively into a potential recession as people have been expecting them to? I think the answer is no, which the market seems to agree with that perspective as well. And so the market did get bought. However, is it worth buying into a market that you know is going to be trading in a recession? And there is there is the game that is being played right now. Personally, absolutely, markets look through recessions. They look through the value. uh, Sorry, they look through the value of a recession and the key thing that is taken away is that as long as the Fed doesn't aggressively raise rates as much as people have been making them out, just think that they are 50 in May, June, July, August, September, next thing you know, we've got interest rates of 15% apparently and the walls are going to start falling down with the entire thing. That's bad. Anything that is uh, anything that is a relief to that is seen as a relief to markets. We've also had reporting, which hasn't been too bad. However, Amazon, one of the great uh, stalwarts of, of reporting, one of the great stalwarts of the market has now seemed to have just completely lost its wheels and fallen off its axis. So that's um, that's a big kicker um, in, the, in the pants as well. Google um, still making lots and lots of money, but missed expectations off a little bit. Very interesting. Apple beat uh, Meta, uh, which has been beaten up for a long time. Also beat um, astonishingly well. So the big names in tech, sort of a bit of mixed bag, saying that maybe the economy isn't as amazing as people have been making it out to be. And that was also backed up by the GDP numbers. So... The big talking point uh, for the next week or two, obviously the FOMC is going to be guiding the conversation and uh, and we'll need to be guided by that conversation as to whether the, uh, whether the Fed is taking into account this negative growth. To help us get through this nonsense uh, this week, we are joined by an old, old friend of mine, probably one of the earliest friends since I got back into the advisory side of the market, out of the operations space, Rudy Philipp Van Dyke of FN Arena, not only a great research aggregator, a wonderful idea of aggregating research, uh, but a great source of information across the board on thematic ideas and defensive portfolios. He's one of the people that I always look out for whenever I'm at a party in this, in this industry. He's uh, he's one of the faces that I love to see because he always lights up the room. So, Rudy, how are you now?
1: Um, I am very well after such a introduction. <laughs> I must say, got to talk it um, up. Man. Obviously, as everyone can hear now, my 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 voice is a lot less sexy than yours, <laughs> and uh, you make me feel so old now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've we've been we've been knocking around in this industry for a while now. So, how long have you had F Arena for? Uh,
1: that's uh, now twenty years, I think twenty one, maybe something along those lines. I, I, I'm not counting. Uh, let's just say it's a long time and. Uh, um, whenever i reflect back on the early days uh, it even seems longer ago yeah medieval type
0: uh... <laughs> now it is, it is it is it's a wonderful idea the idea of of you know that the, the research companies that have their ideas on uh, on stocks and you can be able to combine them together and have everything there in the one in the one set area so one set field and you can also do the scanning of it as well but um, look, everyone, I'm sure knows what FN Arena is all about, and I suggest they going to look. But we're not um, not necessarily here to, to plug your website, although it is good and worth a plug. But the information that you do have on this uh, on that website is very handy for our conversation last week. So let's just have a bit of a, a bit of a back and forth on yeah. what's going on in markets at the moment. Um, like I said, we can keep this live and keep this fresh because people will yes. be listening to it this afternoon on Friday from the shortened week and going into the weekend, and then next week we go we start the the stupid rhyme-based investing month of selling May and going away. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, April already did what May was supposed to do. But let's just in- start. Let's interesting.
1: Just, interesting. Yeah. I, I see my, my view is a bit different. Go I on. think I think March did what normally April does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're, we're a little bit too ahead of ourselves, you think. March did what so, April does and April did what May does. Yes. Well, what's May going to do then?
1: Well, I, I think we, we had the gains that we normally see in April. I think we had them in, in March. Yeah, but that's why. That's why April now is is uh, is is uh, not looking that that good on the historical perspective, and obviously the, the danger we have is that uh, seller may go away, so that we now go through some tougher times.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's any selling that had to be done, I, I think it's it's not going to be. Let's skip the first question. We'll get to that at the end. Um, that I was just going to. I was just going to talk about. Let's just go straight to it. If we are going into tumultuous, cloudy yes. weather, yes, your all weather portfolio. Run mm-hmm. us through that. Um, how's it faring? And yeah. and what's in, what's out, and uh, and what's ahead?
1: Well, for for, for those people who are, who are not familiar with with my all weather uh, uh, approach, um, I try to identify those companies, and there are not too many of them, but they are they are in the market that tend tend to tend to be quite uh, resilient and resistant to, uh, to to the economic cycles, um, and tend to perform under most circumstances and conditions. Now. The experience I, I, I have by uh, doing that research and, and, and managing a portfolio that is uh, based on that research is that that's all well and good, and 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 the portfolio does perform throughout most of the times. And actually, if I would if I would do a uh, a calculation on a monthly basis, it's probably the case that uh, the portfolio outperforms the market in eighty percent of the times. But the other twenty percent can be can be really 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 tough, and and one of the toughest times uh, I've, I've experienced uh, were the, the closing months of 2016. Uh, that was really a, a tough time sitting on your uh, um, uh, high quality stocks and nobody is interested. Mm. Um, the uh, a very surprising turnaround was uh, November uh, 2020. Uh, another one of those times when 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 massive portfolio changes uh, across the world uh, temporarily push push whatever I own uh, into the oblivion. Yeah, and, uh, and and another tough time has been uh, the opening of uh, 2022. that yeah. when 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 a, when a change of change of heart by the Federal Reserve uh, instigated a, or triggered. A, com- a massive portfolio reshuffling again by by uh, by institutions and and other type of investors, and uh, and of course uh, what what you can what you can what you can see at face value is that um, at first everyone moves into uh, inflation protection. Uh, that has, I think, and that was to me was always going to be the case. That at first you get uh, everyone seeking for inflation cover uh you have the, you have the damage done by rising uh, bond yields, and then of course, the next step is that we are going to get worried about the impact on growth and um so i think I think the message from the volatility we 've seen so far is that uh, that that is not going that's not going to go away anytime soon. I think the uh, an aggressive federal reserve uh hiking into a slowing growth environment with with persistently high inflation now, uh, that can bring out all kinds of uh, of uh, of risks, let's call it, and threats. And 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 the, and almost the, the safest uh, prediction to make from here is that volatility is going to stay with us, uh, yeah. and I think for for quite a while.
0: Yeah, I, well, I mean, the volatility. Yeah, it's difficult to disagree with there. Do you think that value? I mean, what, what's what sort of names have you got in the portfolio, and then I'll, I'll we'll have a better idea of. What sort of what
1: sort of shape? Yeah, yeah. Just, just to uh, I mean, I did because that you, you I know you asked the question earlier. I did make some changes this year, and I had to make it. I had to make those changes yeah. because I, I mean I, I tried to preserve capital as well in, in these turbulent times, and um, <clears throat> because I'm convinced that uh, high inflation, slowing growth, uh, you name it, and all the restrictions we have in the supply chain and, and etc. So I, I think that we are steering towards a very challenging August reporting season in Australia. And, and, and those weaknesses, <clears throat> those threats, they will come to the fore, I think. So what I've tried to do within the framework I have created for myself, which is basically by high quality, uh, resilient uh, business models, I try to Go for more conviction in companies that I am convinced that they will still do well and they they are at very low risk of issuing a profit warning, yes, and that risk I think is 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 uh, predominantly underestimated by by investors I mean if I see um the, the resources stocks now uh updating their quarterly performances on occasion you see some of them diving by by 10 12 13 fifteen percent because yeah. obviously they have their challenges too um this very morning we had an update by Kogan and the share price is down by by more than seven <laughs> percent Mind you, this is a share price that already is down by something like eighty percent from its highs, and 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 you and you still see them diving by by seven and a half percent on the day. So that is the type of 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 punishment that uh, I, I tried to um, to anticipate, and then of course to avoid. Yeah. So, so what, what some was of the in? stocks, some of the stocks that carry my conviction in in the current climate, are stocks like an MCO, yep, uh, a CSL. Uh, Woolies and Golds. Um I also have a, a stock like a Macquarie Group, uh, a Resmet. Um, it's that type of that type of companies that... Uh, that I mean, it might be a, come as a surprise as well, but I actually own Telstra as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been bashing Telstra for many, many years and, and it, it is not necessarily of the same ilk as the companies I've just mentioned, but... Um, I also have a, a a dividend component to the portfolio I manage, and Telstra comes in as the dividend stock. And I I um, I recognized in 2021 that given Telstra's plans to uh, to sell off uh, part of the of the of the assets, basically, uh, I thought at the time that is going to unleash value for shareholders and and will tell and will make Telstra. A much less risky proposition uh in this climate and and so far i've been correct and i couldn't help but noticing i saw a few analysts uh, from some uh, renowned uh, stock brokerages recently uh again uh, basically saying the same thing that in the current climate Telstar will will stand out and and Probably will outperform the broader market, which is obviously music to my ears because it's it's one of the largest holdings in my portfolio
0: yeah that's um it's not such a bad one now you, you did mention that uh would you say that August reporting is going to be a bit weaker do you want to go into that a little bit a little bit more yes. the econ- yes, because- is it economic conditions are causing it
1: yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination of a number of things. Um, um, I mean, I know there's always a discussion about what what does an inversion of the of the bond deals, what does that what does that mean? And, and, and there's always discussion: Are we now going to recession or not? I think that that discussion is a bit obsolete. I think I think the message that we should take from that is that economic growth is is slowing. Economic growth is is most likely going to be slower. Uh, in the second half of this year and leading into uh, 2023, um, that slowing ha- obviously will have an impact on, on many companies. The other element that we are facing is that we are in an environment where, I mean, there's, there's multiple of reasons, but predominantly because of uh, supply uh, restrictions. We are in an environment where prices for agricultural and for industrial commodities are. A lot higher than anyone thought there would be uh, last last year. That also has an impact because we all have to realize that uh, industrial companies, whether they do packaging or steel, or they do they do uh, uh, transport or whatever, they actually have to buy in commodities. If it's not oil or diesel, it's going it's going to be copper uh, or even uh, grains or, or, or barley. It doesn't matter. So the pressure was on. And while some of those companies might might enjoy a, a good demand from consumers, even though that is also questionable at this point in time, I think uh, the, they will face pressure on 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 the on the margins. And you see that, for example, also in the local building industry, where unbeknownst to most investors, probably we, we've seen already a half a dozen or so companies across Australia actually going bankrupt yep. in the building industry. Yep. And at the moment, they're the small guys. But I do think the, the problems the building industry will will ex- exert itself also to the, to the medium-sized uh, companies. And maybe there's the this occasional larger uh, company um, we should not underestimate the, the, the contractors, the engineers, they often work on fixed fixed price contracts. Um, that's, yeah, <laughs> that, can had, hurt, that can hurt a lot in the current environment.
0: Yeah, we, did, we did have a builder on a few weeks ago who was actually telling us about the structure with the fixed price contracting mm. and then the input costs that, that, that do have yes. to go into it. Yes. One example that he used was window frames, for example, going up uh, that they were getting from China, but the price of them was going up by about 50% increase. So yes. you factor that in. You factor that into your your costs, and all of a sudden, you can't carry all of that on to the to the end client. client. I
1: also, I also think, James, I also think um, we shouldn't underestimate the the pressure on consumers uh, globally. I mean, in Australia, we, we um, there has been a lot of support from the government. We have a very tight labor market, and and we haven't seen uh, inflation in, to the same extent as we've seen in Europe and in the United States, and in emerging markets. But it's very simple. I mean, if, if your salary doesn't go up, uh, but your but your base ingredients that you have to buy every week, they are going up, and maybe your rent is going up, and, and, and other stuff is going up, like petrol, for example, it, it means all else being equal. It, it means pressure on your household budget. Then, of course, um, we have this new phenomenon all of a sudden that bond deals are rising across the globe, Central bankers are increasing uh, the cash rates, and that also means, by definition, mortgages and all other types of, of of loans are becoming more expensive. Yeah. So one of the things I've 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 actively done um, this year is I've scaled back my exposure to uh, to companies who are directly responsible or directly exposed to uh, to consumer spending, such as. Uh, one of one of the ones I've I've sold with a little bit uh pain in my heart, for example, is, is, is Brevel Group. Yeah. I think Breville is a, is absolutely an absolutely excellent uh operator. Yeah. Um uh, but sometimes uh, I mean it also traditionally trades in particular since 2018 it trades on on a, on a elevated multiple. And and this is a market that doesn't doesn't take kindly to these things. And um and, and to my, my observation the Shepard's just just kept on falling. I mean, and has kept on falling since. It has done.
0: Yeah, I've got it on. Um, I have one client who holds it. Uh, it's, it's, I think yeah. they love it. They love it as much. It, it, when you hold Breville, you, have, it, it's, you keep it close to you like one of your children, I think, that people have that sort of affinity. I know,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's the problem that the share market sometimes uh, the, puts the pressure on you. Are you going to stick to the longer-term story, which in, in, in Breville's case, I, I, I'm fully in belief, is, is still very profitable, very very well-defined uh, the prospects are there the potential is there and and management will, will most likely uh, uh, utilize that to to shareholders uh, advantage but in the but in the short term which can can last for another six to nine months or so or even longer that share price can basically go anywhere and 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 anywhere uh, also includes a lot lower yeah, um, yeah. and that's I'm sometimes to... that sometimes the yeah the, the balance you have to weigh up is are you gonna stick around? Uh, and I've decided. I mean, in some cases, I have stuck around, and that, that um, unfortunately, in some cases, um I mean, I'm, I'm for example, I'm still a shareholder in Resmed. Uh, I, I think sh- Resmed is, is is still a very good long term hold or stock to own. But for the short term, even on the day like today, it's tanking. Yeah. Uh, on the short term, sometimes you have to take these uh, these things on the nose. Um, probably the decision I. I made is I didn't add to my um, Resmed shares so far, uh, but 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 depending on how how far that share price falls, I'll, I I might I might actually uh, start adding again, mm. just increasing that. Not not. I don't want to confuse this. I'm not averaging down. By the way, I never average down. I think that's a very bad policy. But when I do own a stock and I do believe it's it's oversold and it doesn't represent uh, a. a uh, a, a large enough uh, allocation in my portfolio, then I, I will consider adding adding back to it. Um, one of the others, one of the other companies I I have stuck with and I made that a conviction call is uh, Aristocrat Leisure, for yep. example. Yep, that is a very that is a large uh, uh, position in my portfolio. And to my dismay, it hasn't it has done nothing but falling. <laughs> I can't I can't believe how fa- how far that has fallen. Uh, against all against all the signals, all the odds, all the fundamentals—you name it—it it just shows you that sometimes the share price, uh, the, the, the market just does whatever it does. Essentially. Well,
0: we, we can get into the, we can get into some of the the questions on ESG investing. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you've mentioned a few things. I know that you—I heard you talking about Endeavor Group uh, yesterday yes, on Ozpiz, yes. mm-hmm. and you were talking about the buy sell recommendation ratio. We can get into the buy sell recommendation ratio in a sec. Yeah. But have you noticed that ESG investing? And we mentioned this on the podcast last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how much? How much of an influence is it having on the local share market? I, I don't spend much time focusing as much maybe as I should on the local yeah. share market. Being yeah. an international guy,
1: yes, it's uh, it. It is definitely it is definitely um, of of an influence, and in particular when uh, when the market is is uh, is more in favour of buying quality and and sustainable growth. Yeah. Uh, because often you see those those we uh, see those filters aligning with each other. Uh, I always thought that EST would get a big um, a big test in in a year like this year when the market is shifting towards let's, let's I mean let's face it fossil fuels and coal and 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 then obviously but what I can uh, picture from the from the from the um, the the money flow side is that the the flows into ESG internationally have not slowed this year. So that is definitely going to stay around. And Mm -hmm. people are obviously looking through uh, the short to medium term. One thing I have to add though, is that I do think that um, too many people underestimate how, I mean, ESG is definitely here to stay. It's going to define uh, the sector the financial sector over the next decades absolutely that's that's all gonna happen it's it's one of those mega trends that that is that that will define investments and and, and companies behaviour but I do think that we are we are still at an early stage and, and the early stage has a lot of um, flaws and errors in it and I do think that for example a lot of the products that are now being sold as ESG including ETFs we should we should not underestimate that they are above all marketing instruments they are there to be sold and I often uh look under the cover and I sometimes can't believe that um that those things are being promoted as being ESG. <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean the most the most obvious example i could I could throw in here is that um i mean we have this Brazilian meat company which is called um Damn, the name just escapes me. JBS? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now that will that will probably never end up in an ESG uh, because that's as close as you can get to Satan's company on Earth. <laughs> but surely the next second would be Facebook. Right? Yep. F- Facebook is if you if you would personalize it. That's your second hand car salesman who's willing to sell his grandmother for an extra dollar in the bank account. Right? That is Facebook. And if you if you look at uh, investors who are specialized in ESG, often their number one or the number two holding is Facebook. To me, that doesn't compute. Right? That just shows you that there's too much emphasis on the, on the E of environment and, and, and to be um, compliant with with those filters is much easier for 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 an online platform than is Facebook, than for example a blueScope steel or 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 a, or a BHP Bulletin, yep. which is now which is BHP, because they they dig stuff out of the ground which, and it's much difficult much more difficult to uh, to to rank highly on those. But surely, the way you treat your shareholders, the way you treat your customers, the way you operate your business, the way you treat your staff. Um I mean I could go on and on that should all be part of of your ESG uh filters. Personally, I I I I I'm more for a flexible approach and and I mean I, f- I mean I I own a lot of stocks uh including an MCOR, for example that that c- could potentially be seen as like well, well they're very bad for the environment they make packaging. But I think you have to be inflexible and use common sense here. Yeah. Amcor is at the forefront of changing the packaging industry because that's what you do when you're you're in that industry. I mean, they couldn't possibly uh, make all packaging uh, biodegradable by tomorrow in one go. I mean, that's not how the world works. So, I mean, am I going to buy CentOS tomorrow? Because uh, CentOS has made some... uh, I mean, has has, has done some... um, some spin of about operations. No, I'm very well aware that those big fossil fuel guys, I mean, they're they obviously spin their their, their case, but they, at the end of the day, they're fossil fuel guys. I right? And they know that the world is turning against them.
0: <laughs> the, the, uh, what was the example that we used on the podcast last week? That the there was speculation that defense, the defense industry stocks could be yes. put into ESG, <laughs> because, yes, because we need the defense industry. To defend, to secure energy future, um, yes, yes, and, and not and not wind up with another Russian Ukraine and, and,
1: situation. And, and, to, and to me, that also shows you how how the finance industry often they just try to navigate, circumvent whatever. It, it, and, and at the end of the day, it it sometimes becomes a lot of BS. Okay? <laughs> it let's, sure let's, is. Let's, let's face it. Yeah, I'll
0: uh, I'll, I'll okay. I, I can spin anything on this one. Um, just winding it up now. Buy sell recommendation ratio. Yes, um, I've heard you mention this a little while. So, to, what is what is it? How bullish is it? How bearish is it? Where's it pointing at the moment?
1: It is. It is. We are we are at one of those points that are quite unique in history. And 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 for people who are not familiar with with Evan Arena, we 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 amalgamate all the data about buy wholesale sell recommendations in the market. And at this point in time, I can tell you that the total of buy recommendations is reaching sixty percent of all recommendations that are out there. Okay. So, I do know that brokers have this reputation that they always slap a buy on anything, but I can tell you from, uh, from day-to-day observations that is not the case. Now, seldom does it reach this high. The only time that... Um, and we, we can go back to 2006. So we're, we're talking 16 years now. Um, the only time that the, the number of buy... Uh, the percentage of buy recommendations was this high and a little bit higher was back in 2011. And um, for those who... Don't remember what happened back then. Share prices were, couldn't move back then because everyone was worried that the European Union might fall apart. Yep. and we had the Greek crisis and, and Brexit and you name it. So at that time, brokers responded by by basically placing putting a buy on everything that wasn't moving, and they, because they thought evaluations should be much higher. At the end, that turned that turned out to be a very excellent um, time to put your money in the market. Of course, because from the second half of 2012 onwards, markets rallied and rallied quite hard as well. Um, this time around, see, usually what happens when we, when we get this? This used to be a time of a bear market because 2011 arguably was a bear market it didn't move yeah and it was, we had a few and and share prices were all all seemingly undervalued now is this a bear market in 2022 that's the big question of course um the big the big challenge will come in and how much of those bear or how much of those buy recommendations will have to be revised once Results come in, or once uh, forecasts have to be pared back. I still think this is a this is above anything an indication that the market is very very polarized. But in the same respect, we 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 will still see upgrades on the resources side because I mean for so far uh, resources the the prices uh, for the products are much higher than than everyone thought they would be, mm-hmm. and on the other end. All the stocks that we've been selling so far that we are ba- basically not interested in, anything that has a label of technology over it, for example, and also the likes of aristocrats and 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 even the likes of CSL and, and ResMed and Gockley and stuff like that, I think rightfully so, they, they are undervalued, thus they deserve a buy recommendation. It's just that at this point in time, investors don't want to go there. There's no momentum. There's no interest, uh, and and we all have a we all say that we have a long term uh, view. But if the share price is not moving, we're not interested.
0: The g- going into the broker and the broker cases as well with the buying and the selling. Mm. I've often speculated that 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 analysts and broking houses shouldn't actually put a buy or a sell recommendation on on research that they that they mm. distribute. What do you like? Do you think that the research industry in this country, or even on the on the planet, could it be changed? Or, where is it broken? If it is,
1: yeah, um, I'm I'm with you because I'm I would be the first to tell people like if you see an analyst um, updating their thoughts for, on on a company, don't don't stare yourself blind on the buy whole sell. Okay? Yeah, stay look look at what what the thinking is and um and I know a lot of people find it difficult when one analyst says it's a sell, another one says it's a buy and then and another one sits in the middle on the hold, and then they get confused. what should I do? Just look at the arguments, look at what is in the report and why why does one analyst say it's a sell and the other one says it's a buy yeah it's not always necessarily a difference in view sometimes it's a difference in horizon and 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 on a very simple. Uh, example: If for, let's let's just take a pick, okay? Uh, MCOR. at the moment it's almost seventeen dollars. It hasn't been there for for a long time. Um, if I'm now convinced that the share price over the next two months will fall to sixteen dollars, but then will recover and 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 move on to eighteen, is that now a sell or is that a buy? And often those considerations often make the difference between why someone says a sell and someone says a buy. Yeah, and 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 sometimes also it's a, it's a matter of risk. Risk is what you don't see in the share price, and risk is not necessarily something that that will exert itself, but it's there. Right? And and sometimes I think on in general investors too much draw draw conclusions from hindsight.
0: Yeah, a very
1: yeah. risky stock can can jump by a hundred percent of the next month and you go, Oh, I should have been there. But you don't draw that same conclusion when it drops by fifty percent because obviously the risk does did show up. And that that that's that's why you have to you have to be um, mindful of where the risk is in the market and you have to stay true to your own risk appetites
0: no? uh, well, that's absolutely true and if you want to talk about any risk appetites let me know i can help you through those bits and pieces well. <laughs> i've often speculated rudy that um analysts research analysts along with the disclosures that, that the firm has to make there should be a disclosure about what stage of the career the research analyst is and how much they need to get it right to keep their job mm, <laughs> mm, mm, just, mm. it's like this analyst, this analyst has got this wrong four out of the last five times. He desperately <laughs> needs to do it. He's literally packing the boxes he needs now. I yeah, tempted yeah, yeah, to look yeah. at that research and just go, he needs a miracle. Maybe let's just step away from this particular piece of yes. work right now.
1: And, and, and you're right. That's that's how I see it as well. If you have, for example, if you, I mean, there, are, there are analysts who are always bullish on a certain company and there are analysts who are always skeptical about a certain company. And you figure that out after a while. Mm. Right? And yeah. and sometimes you see the, when I get a little bit worried, is, is that the guy who has been negative for four years, all of a sudden he changes his mind and becomes uber bullish on a stock. That's when I go like, hmm, maybe I should revise my view now.
0: Yeah, or well, they, well, they've, well, they've got a corporate deal coming up and they need the research to be friendly for it. That's, uh, that's just a cynical old me coming in, but yes. I know it's true. And Um, sometimes these things happen, absolutely. Oh, absolutely they do, mate. Uh, Look, that's all we've got time for. Quick and dirty, uh, just the way you like it, mate. Um, Rudy Philippic Van Dyke of FN Arena, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, James.
0: Uh, Have yourself a great Friday and a a safe weekend. Get through it. We go into stupid uh, rhyme-based investing next week, as I said. Um, selling may go away. Is it going to happen this month? Has it already happened? Are we a month ahead into the future? I don't know. Ask Doctor Who. Only time will tell, and may the Fed be with us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Rate us and leave a review. Please leave a review, even if it's... No, you know what? Actually, only leave a review if it's good. Sorry. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, You can find us on iTunes, at The Bip Show, Wherever you get your, wherever good podcasts are sold. We're on Twitter for some reason as well. Just look up the Bip Show. I got my website where I put all the bits and pieces. Rudy, if you have any extra stuff, I want to, I want to see more. I'll link it to uh, FN Arena on there as well on my website, Wheeland Capital, um, which is just a place where I just park all my all my gibberish and junk on there. Um, this is where the Bip Show is going to be hosted as well. Um, thank you so much. I'm at James Whelan 42 on Twitter, uh, and Rudy, you're on Twitter as well. People can just yeah. look it up. Uh, what are you on? What's your name on Twitter? That's a
1: good one. I think it's just Philip Beck, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that sounds about right. The show is produced by a couple of drunk monkeys, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening.